you can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. It's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? Welcome into Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the Big Dog, Rick Watson. <laughs> Thanks again for all your requests. That's always a lot of fun. Will Stewart in studio with us, which is also a lot of fun. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning. I was listening to Fats, Fats Domino on the way. Fats Domino. We had, I mean, I'm, Terrence Trent Darby, the Ramones. I mean, it's just. It's Did the great. Ramones originate punk? Were they the original punk They rock were band? one of that came in. Yeah, they were one of them. Yeah, right there at that era. Yeah. They made it kind of. They made it more mainstream. They had Sex Pistols come in and the CBGBs and all that. So yeah, they were right there at the forefront. Of it. Not sure, but I think Blondie started. Blondie as a pet was the absolutely yeah. yeah. And Blondie does not refer to Deborah Harry. It refers to the band. Correct. I'm a <clears throat> correct big, big Blondie fan from back in the day. Well, now I wasn't listening to them when they first got started. I probably started listening that, to them huh? in 1980, yeah. 81, something like that. Yeah. Um, but they're one, they're one of my favorites. Uh, but Fats Domino, you got to play. Uh, <laughs> I found my uh, yeah, thrill. <laughs> he wanted Ain't That a Shame. So that's, that's what I did. Yeah. You know, you gotta Either get, way. Got to give way. the customers what they want. Yeah, Happy Days, right? That was Richie Cunningham's makeout song, right? It, it was. And I was thinking about Happy Days on the way in. And uh, <laughs> uh, I can't remember how close you and I are in age. Did you watch Happy Days when you were a kid? Because it, it, it started when I was about 10 years old. I watched. I remember the later seasons before it got into Joni Loves Chachi, right? And all that. So, but I have watched the reruns of it. So, uh, <clears throat> Happy Days was a uh, uh, was not a studio show for the first two years, and if you go back and watch those first two years, they're better. Um, yeah, those those are my favorite episodes. Yeah. Then when they went into the studio before a live audience, that's when the show started to decline and. Um, it was a classic example of a show that should not have been left on TV as long as it was. Yeah, yeah, um, it was. You're right. It was a very good, very popular show for the first couple of years, and it was very popular after that. It wasn't very good. Um, you know, Fonzie became a caricature of himself. Yeah. and The you know, jumping of the shark literally where the term comes from. Yeah, if, if you <laughs> folks out there don't know the origin of the term jumping the shark, uh, look it up. Yeah. But one of the early, uh, uh, I think, first season episodes uh, featured uh, Cheryl Ladd That's as a right. guest star. Yeah, she was a uh, starlet or something and came through town on a tour. Yeah. 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 And he. Uh, Richie he, wanted he, a date. He, es- he escorted yeah. her, right? 
So he, beautiful. And she found out she was married and her husband was like the guy. And she's oh. She's one of my all-time favorites. Oh. And, and that was prior to her Charlie's Angels fame. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. so here we sit thinking about Cheryl Ann. Yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Ooh, Rick's found a button. <laughs> I did. I did. I finally got Nathan to put it on there, so I'm not always uh. saying it. So, uh all right, before we get into now, we were going to pick up our conversation with how this might look with uh, the final uh, the final matchup of college football and how it's going to look. But uh, Tech women last night, um, that was ugly. 61-56, Liz Kitley literally won the game for them. 34 points, 12 rebounds. Tech's defense was great. Georgia Amor will never play as poor of a game as she did last night. Four of 21, yikes, and yeah. six Turnovers. What's she doing? Taking cues from Padula? And how many assists? Three. Three. She's minus three in the turnover assist department last night. And they still won. Duke is a very bad matchup for Virginia Tech. Um, Duke is going to be a problem. Their two guards are super quick. They're young, too, aren't they? Uh, Fairly young. Yeah, number three and number five, I think, were their numbers. Man, they're... I don't understand why Duke didn't clear out and just drive those two the entire game. Just do it the whole game? Yeah. yeah you know, um, just spread the floor, get Kitley out in there at the three-point line and drive those two. Because they, as fast as Georgia Amor is, she couldn't keep up with them. So, uh, so Duke is uh, – so they're very quick. They're very rangy on defense. They extend the defense out to the three-point line. The big thing they do is um, over and over last night, as uh, Virginia Tech set the high screen, the high ball screen – um, Duke hedges the ball screen, and when Georgia goes around the ball screen, the, the Duke big is waiting for her right there. So they are they are that is their game plan. Take George take Georgia Amor out of it, and, and they did. And you know I'm not a basketball strategist tactics guy, but Kenny never adjusted. So Kenny's attitude was okay if you're if you're going to single cover. Elizabeth Kitley, then that's how, that's how we're going to beat you. Sure, and they um, did, yeah. And it's high stakes poker, and and it's very simple. And Virginia Tech won, and a big part of the reason Virginia Tech won is that the refs called the game tight. You know, Duke plays a very physical brand of basketball, and the refs called it last night. And that's and, due to Kenny. He was on the show. I think he's he's very frustrated with the way his superstar has been treated recently. I don't think I've ever seen a superstar. It's unbelievable. Not get favorable treatment it's from the refs like like Liz does not get favorable treatment from the refs. She played all forty minutes last night. So did Georgia. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, and to come back and bounce back like she did, I mean, that shows you a lot. I mean, she's good. Be, she's the player of the year in the league easily, easily. And Duke just they tried to guard her one on one and they just couldn't. Can't do it. And do it. you know, Kitley does that little turnaround fadeaway that is is unguardable. And, yeah, at that uh, height, it's, it's yeah, funny. It is. Some players will actually kind of jump at her and try to guard it, and Duke, after a while, just watched her shoot it. In particular, Duke's backup. So Duke had a bunch of players get three and four fouls. They had one foul out, but uh, um, they they were racking up the fouls. So uh, their starting center couldn't handle Kitley. When they brought the backup in, she really couldn't handle. No, Kitley, you no, know. no. So Kenny said, uh, "This is what we're going to do. We're going to, you know, you're you're going to take Georgia away from us. We're going to beat you with Liz and." It worked. It worked. It because worked. Liz shot 13 to 17. Yeah. Now, you remember the game she had up at Syracuse. I don't remember what she shot, but it was bad. Yeah, if she would have been off last night, Tech would have lost by double digits. They they wouldn't have scored 40 last night if, if she'd been off. Bench um, got outscored 18 to 3. 
I mean, there's a lot. This is a win, and I know it's eight in a row, but there's a lot of bad signs to this game. Um, well, Tech only had four players score. They really had, only had three players score. Kitley yeah. and Amor and uh, Matilda Eck, and then Karis Baker came off the bench to hit a three, and that was it. That was it. Um, and this is certainly not they're, – they're, they're not as good a team as they were last year. Keanu Trailer and Taylor yeah. Soul brought something that, that nobody on this team brings. Um, uh, Clara Streck sort of brings some of it. She's a, she's a good defender and, and fairly physical for a freshman. I wish Clara Streck was a sophomore or junior because she, she's good. Um, but uh, yeah, I, just regarding uh, Karis Baker, there were some times last night where she's out at the perimeter trying to guard, I think, the three, and Duke is just way yeah. too quick for that. Yeah. you know. And So anyway, uh, that's the blueprint. If you've got the athletes, that's how you beat them. That's Virginia how you Tech. beat them, yeah. You hedge yeah. the screens big time. If I were Duke, I would have doubled down on Kitley's home. Uh, but they were spending all their defensive energy on Amor. Yeah. Um, but I but I think if I was watching, if I was a future opponent watching that game plan, I'd do the same thing to Georgia Amor. But you got to have guards quick enough to keep up with her. And then I would I would double Kitley some. Yeah, um, you're gonna have to. Teams will have to start doing that now. Yeah. And this this team is so you know Matilda Eck uh, played I think 38 minutes last night. You got the stats there in front of you. And yeah. Shot shot. What did she shoot? Four or five? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she had a nice game, just getting enough attempts, yeah. And she picked her spots. When you play 38 minutes and you only take five shots, now granted, George Amor and Liz Kitley kind of suck the air out of the room when it comes to getting yeah, her shots. There's no question. 38 right. shots between the two. Uh, you know, and, and uh, but Eck picked her spots and she shot well, and that is the key to this. So last year the key to them making that Final Four run, I think, was Trailer and Soul. This year it is our Kayla King and Matilda Eck hitting their three-pointers. Is is uh, Carly Wenzel giving you good minutes and not turning the yeah, ball over? Right. Is Clara Strat giving you good minutes? The answer is yes. Um, so they're going to go with a seven seven yeah woman rotation, and you'll see Baker from time to time. And she you know her three last night was big. So that that's kind of the rundown. I don't think they'll make the final four this year. I don't think they'll make it as far. But you've seen enough NCAA tournaments to know that it's all about the draw. It is. It is. I mean, it's about the matchup that day, and exactly. And, and these are a veteran team, veteran players, so maybe they can adjust. We'll see. But, it, yeah, it doesn't feel like they're destined to have the same end of their season this year, Final Four. Now, it's still, a, it's still a lot of fun to watch them. That's two great players, two generational players, and they're both on the same team. Just like Michael Vick and Corey Moore were on the same team. Yeah. You know, guys that come through your program once every 10 to 20 years. In the case of Michael Vick, once in a lifetime. Or Corey Morris, you know, Tech hasn't had a – well, Xavier, Xavier, DB and Vince Hall were good, but Tech really hasn't had a Corey Moore type since Corey no, Moore. No, they really haven't. They really haven't. So that's, that's Liz Kitley's second, setting records that will never be broken. No, she's – you're right. That's a great point. That's a great comparison. She is the Mike Vick of this program. They're never going to have another player like Elizabeth Kitley. Ever. No, and, and Not she, even close. And she was very good from the beginning. From the like, get-go. Like, as good as Clara Strack is, she's not going. She's not putting up the freshman year no. that Liz did. No. And she won't get the fifth year that Liz no, got. No, not at all. You know, so, yeah. again, Liz is setting records that will never, never be broken. Never be broken. And that's kind of fascinating to think about. And it's like the NFL when you look at the rushing records uh, that, yeah. Uh, yeah. that, that Emma Smith set. 17,000 yards, is that right? Yeah. 
problems. That'll yeah. never no, be broken. No, especially now with the way the league's played, yeah. Yeah, you know. Now, it's possible that football may change at some point in the future, but, but in the current landscape, no. Running backs are not valued. They get drafted. They play three to five years, get chewed up and spit out. And 17,000 yards is not going to happen. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not. Now, you know, back when Dan Marino was setting passing records, he was setting records that you didn't think would ever be broken, but – you know, the game has changed. Oh, yeah. And his records are getting broken. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, speaking of change, um, it was interesting to see some of the comments made this week by the Jim Phillipses and the Brett Yormarks of the world. It, it sounds like to me that they're trying to conceal internal panic in their leagues when they see what's happening with the SEC and the Big Ten. Of course, the new deal that was uh, – <laughs> Whew, ESPN going to try to pay out $8 billion over the next six years. I don't know where Disney's going to get that money, but good luck uh, for the playoff. It just it continues to settle in as this thing's going to be um, an invite only here very soon. I don't know how it's going to look, but it seems to be an expedited process behind the scenes from what I hear. Yeah, it is happening faster than, than we thought it would. And so there were discussions at Virginia Tech – Three or four years ago, you know, uh, Witt came in in 2014, February 2014. Uh, Frank retired in 2015. And Justin Fuente was hired, you know, for the 2016 season. Uh, at that point in time, uh, you know, Charlie Steger had, had phased out by then. Um, but in general, at the top levels of Virginia Tech, they did not understand what was going on in college football, which kind of blows my mind because I understood it. Yeah. I, remember, I remember when Alabama and uh, when Alabama and Clemson played for one of their first two national championships. Uh, I don't remember who the author was, but he ran an article on uh, CBS Sports about the coaching staffs that those two schools had built. And I remember at that point in time, Clemson had former South Carolina head coach Brad Scott on their staff as an analyst, and they were paying him two hundred twenty thousand a year to just sit around and analyze. As an film. analyst, right. So they, they had staffs on their website. The staff that was listed was 30, 35 people. You go to Tech's website, and they had 14 people listed. And I remember reading that CBS article and going, holy cow, and then writing an article for Tech Sideline about it. And yet, and this was, this started happening when Nick Saban came into yeah. Alabama, and it became kind of public knowledge around 2013, 2014. Yeah. But the power structure that Tech had in place in 2015 didn't get it. Witt didn't get it. I don't know why, um, but he just he didn't pour the he didn't put the resources yeah. into football because Tech had always won with less, and I think that was kind the of the mindset, mindset was still there, even though he was changing the mo with personnel decisions. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. It's so that way, there, there was just Tech was kind of rudderless for a while there. And looked good early in the Fuente tenure, and then Tech started to lose games, and it in conference re, conference conferences started to shift, particularly with Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC, <clears throat> and you know Tech just got caught with their pants down. So the communication at the highest level was, uh, listen, we we need to get our football house in order and catch up because if we don't, we'll be left yeah. out. Yeah. Absolutely. And this is a university. This is not an athletic discussion. It's a university discussion. We need to be at the highest levels of college, competing at the highest levels of college athletics because it is, it's not free marketing for the university, but it's almost free. 
the exposure you get through athletics versus what you pay for it, it actually is free marketing. If you if you run your athletic department at least break even, then it is free marketing. Sure. Because the money's coming from the fans and tickets and the conference, and you're putting the VT on television over and over and over. So these conversations started to occur at the highest levels of Hokies Athletics, and they created the Football Enhancement Fund. They built a team of the highest donors. And um, this all started happening at the very end of Fuente's tenure. And they never gave Fuente the resources that they've given Brent Pry. So they kind of it, it kind of came to a head late in, in, in Fuente's last year. I think the story is that he asked Whit Babcock at one point after about eight games of the season, he asked him, am I going to be your football coach next year? And Whit did not answer in the positive. Didn't answer in the negative. Just this, didn't answer. No, no answer, yeah. So then they hire Brent and Pryor, dump a bunch of more resources into the program, and then I think Coach Pryor does a good job handling it. Now, how all this is related to uh, – conference realignment is that's the Virginia Tech story that they you know they <clears throat> their football program nosedived at the worst possible time you know 10 years ago 10 11 years ago let's go back to 2011 Virginia Tech was the top five team in the country and getting an at-large sugar bowl bid back when that stuff mattered yeah and that was that was 12 years ago you know and so that's where Virginia Tech is. And I don't even remember what you said that started this part of the conversation. Um, well, we just got into the whole how this was looking. There was a lot of speculation. And I thought this week, those comments by Jim Phillips. And, now, now, what did Phillips and your, your mark, is that his name, what they say? Oh, hey, there, we're all working in cohesion. It, we don't believe there's anything going on. They're not going to exclude. It's just like a bunch of denial before it happens. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not part of the two-team, the two-conference committee they put together, are you? You're not part of the advisory council. Guess why? Because you're not going to be included. It's common sense at this point. You, certain schools are going to be invited from each of your leagues, but you're not. Yeah. You're, you're on the outside looking in. So let me repeat myself again. <laughs> if the P2 winds up being 40 teams, I don't like Virginia Tech's chances. I agree with you. If it winds up being 44... I like Virginia Tech's chances. If it winds up being 48, the Hokies are in. They're in. Yeah. Um, However that happens, it's very complicated because I get a kick out of the message board discussions where they're like, here are my Big Ten and SECs, and they they just throw teams (laughs) in a pot. Yeah, I know. I see. Put them in in pods. Twitter does it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And divisions, and it's like, it's, it's way more complicated than that. When the politicians get involved, absolutely, and the courts get involved, and the government gets involved with Title IX. How does Title IX play in conference realignment? I don't know. I don't either. It always just either. seems to pop its ugly head up all the time. It does. I'm it surprised does. Title IX, and we we don't need to drill down this path, but I'm surprised Title IX hasn't destroyed NIL yet, because NIL is all almost all going to the male athletes mm-hmm. from collectives. Right now, <clears throat> individual athletes like like Livy Dunn and uh, Who's the basketball player for LSU? All oh, the big Reese, center. Angel yeah, Reese. Angel Reese. Yeah, Caitlin Clark. Yeah, Caitlin Clark. They're all doing independent deals and maybe deals that are facilitated by collectives. But the money that collectives collect is almost exclusively going to male athletes. So let's put that aside. Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the things for, for Hokie fans to realize is that in 2003, when Virginia Tech got invited to the ACC, then-athletic director Jim Weaver had no clue what was going on. 
And that's not a criticism of Jim. I'm pointing out that ADs are not involved in this. They will, they will have discussions with sure. their chancellors and presidents, but these decisions are being made by the television networks and by the presidents and chancellors of the league. Correct. And it is all done in stealth these days. Yeah, I remember reading the story about when Maryland left the ACC. That was totally done in stealth. Wallace Lowe rolls in as their president. He comes from the Big Ten. He looks around, and he sees an athletic department swimming in red. He sees the Big Ten network, and he basically calls up the Big Ten and says, you interested in taking us? The Big Ten did not initiate that. Wallace Lowe did. And it was all done stealthily and just announced, boom, over. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so anyway, I bring that up because you think that that Rick Watson and I are talking to people that work at tech and they're they're giving us the skinny and telling us everything that's going to happen. No No one knows. No, No. they they have their suspicions and their fears, but they don't really know. They don't know. They don't know. Yeah. Will Stewart's in studio with us. We'll take a break. Fascinating discussion. The future uh, very uh, murky for everybody in college sports. Stay with us. All right, more with Will Stewart coming up after the news break. Don't forget hour three, Jen. We'll see if she's uh, back from San Antonio. Maybe she's up with Cowboys. Well, I'm sure of that. Yeah, exactly. Mike Ashley as well. More coming up with Will Stewart. Stay with us here on the Finally Friday edition. We're halfway done. going to do it. We're still celebrating the uh, life and music of Toby Keith. Still, still can't believe he's gone. don't like his stuff, Touch. This is the actual video, so you get to hear the acting. Your voice, your voice over here. Hey, man, come on. Six o'clock news says somebody been shot, somebody's been abused. Somebody Willie Nelson's in this video. Building. Somebody stole a car, somebody <laughs> cool. got away. Somebody didn't get too far. They didn't get too far. Just lived through it with my mom, and I know many of you have, but boy, you see Toby Keith in this video and what a large, healthy man he was, man. And then you saw him at the end. It's just a horrible, horrible, horrible disease. Good yeah, song. So Good song. I, I saw a bit where he was uh, being interviewed by Dan Rather, I think, and he talked about that song, and, and he and Willie were at a... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some awards ceremony and they took a break and went up on the roof and Toby looked at Dan Rather and said, you know, Willie Nelson, he's, uh, um, he's, uh, and Dan Rather said, an herbal American. And Toby said, yeah, that's what we were doing up on the roof. And that's where they hatched the idea for that song, which is a great song. That's awesome. That's yeah. good stuff. That's but good stuff. yeah, we, we, we should have run some Toby Keith last week from in my yeah, slot and we didn't. So. Yeah, it's tough, man. It is. It's just, it, it, yeah. especially it was a long time ago, but getting to talk to him, meet him when he was just getting started, it's just, you know, you kind of feel like you had a little bit of a kinship with him and you follow their career and you're like, wow, that dude's mammoth. 
That's just, just, I mean, he was going to be successful, but I didn't expect that, you know? Woo. Yeah. Um, yeah, he went, he went whole hog yeah. on the, on the American. He had some really good music, plus, you know, uh, uh, courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue. You know, really, yeah. I think that's what really shot him. I, I agree with you. I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Virginia right. Tech, uh, their future in football we've been talking about, SEC Big Ten. Folks, here's the facts. I mean, whether you want to debate it, and they're controlling everything. They're controlling the networks. They controlled this deal with ESPN. Uh, I'm going to be very curious to see how this is paid out for ESPN, knowing the struggles Disney's going through overall. $8 billion over six years to the networks and to, and to the playoff. Man. Lots of commercials. Yeah, more. Yeah. Right. I mean, last year, the typical commercial break uh, uh, in college football went from two minutes and 40 seconds to three minutes and 10 seconds. So they added a commercial last and year. And everybody complained, noticed, and complained. Yeah. It's going to uh, get worse. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's a lot of money. And uh, you're, you're correct about who's controlling it. And there is a school of thought that what they want is NFL light. Um. That's where it's going. Yep. You know that could be that could be forty eight teams with uh, uh, eight divisions of six teams across two conferences across the two twenty four team conferences. Right. And uh, uh, I, I think it's 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 interesting if you look at the maps of the Big Ten and the SEC, they don't overlap. They're two completely different ge- uh, geographical regions, areas. Right. right. And then, kind of where they. One of the border areas where they meet, you've got Virginia and North Carolina, and there are no Big Ten or SEC schools in Virginia and North Carolina. And I think Virginia and North Carolina might wind up being two states where there is overlap, where Tech and UVA go to the SEC and the Big Ten, and UNC and NC State go to the SEC and the Big Ten. And I think Wake and Duke, I think even Duke gets left out here. Um if things evolve that way, uh, it's like we talked about. It's extremely complicated, and sitting there with a sheet of paper and drawing up a forty-eight team echelon of college football—it's an easy exercise on paper. But how does it happen in reality? Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the things that happened in '03 was that uh, you know the ACC was going to expand without Virginia Tech, and the, the politicians got involved. And certainly UVA cooperated with this. UVA they continued did. to vote no until until Tech was in. That's right. But the alternatives there were uh, Tech getting left out, left behind in a watered-down Big East, or going to the ACC. If this evolves to where it's going to be, let's say, for example, Tech to the SEC and UVA to the Big Ten, I think the politicians will stay out of it. Because in that scenario, yeah. both schools are and they're, they're in prospering, doing fine. They're in. They're, there's no reason to get involved. <laughs> right, right. Right. Um, and I just – and the other thing, like I had a guy email me the other day and say, you know, you guys really need to talk in your podcast about conference realignment. And then he gave me five or six paragraphs of his concerns. And I thought about it a couple of days, and I emailed him back, and I said <laughs> – and I shouldn't say this on your show because we're talking about well, it. Well, that's okay. But I said, I have nothing to add. I don't know what's going right, to happen. Right. I have no idea. And we don't. Yeah. In the 03 realignment, it was all about getting to 12 teams so you could play a championship Absolutely. game. Absolutely. It was with, cut and dried, basically. At least presented that way. And get more states in the footprint of your cable network. You know? It, it was That was pretty easy. That's why you expanded back then. And I got, you know, the stuff that happened in the early 2010s, Maryland and Louisville and Pitt and all that stuff. I, I understood that. 
And even Texas and Oklahoma to the SEC, I understood. But when UCLA and USC went to the Big Ten, that's when I realized I had no clue what was going on. No, no. And didn't understand any of it. And I heard um, Joel Klatt, who was doing an interview with Tim Brando, and they both believed that this has been going on, this unification that wasn't announced between the SEC and the Big Ten has been going on long enough to where that's what started the whole, like, that the conversations, they're speculating, speculation, that those two conferences have been in discussion for a long time, which is why Fox gets involved, right? Basically brokers that whole deal with both conferences understanding right after the Texas-Oklahoma thing that you talk about overnight, you talk about nobody knowing but the two chancellors of those two institutions. That's yeah. exactly the way it went down, and that's why you didn't see the SEC issue any kind of reaction because they knew exactly what the counter move was going to be, and they want that. And this is what they were speculating, and I have a lot of respect for Joel Klatt and Tim Brando, that this whole big plan has been in motion, the whole thing's been laid out, that they're going to be the two, uh, the two conferences that are going to join, and that's why the SEC, in other words, the, the Big Ten knew about Texas-Oklahoma, and certainly the SEC was well aware about Fox and UCLA and USC. Yeah. And it makes sense when you hear sure them talk it about it. And whether those two conferences are going to completely break away from the NCAA or whether they're going to have their own classification for football remains to be seen. And I right. don't know what they're right. thinking about at those highest Yeah, levels. I don't either. I don't either. And certainly uh, NIL has gummed up the works. It, it makes uh, – go back – just go back five years in time yeah. and talk about 48 schools breaking away. It's all about recruiting rules and – and it's all about getting into a different stratosphere where one of the problems the NCAA has is they have hundreds of schools. And when they vote on something, Division Three Renor Line, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lenore Ryan. Lenore yeah. Ryan, yeah. thank you. I knew I had it wrong. Yeah. They're voting on something that affects Ohio State and Michigan. Right. And that just, that just doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. You know? So back then it was about that. Well, NIL's gummed it up. I think they want their own NIL rules. Right. Uh, you know? So there's there's that and um, yeah you, you know just like you say you could if you just sit there and just think of think of what makes sense yeah. and what makes sense is for the states of Virginia and North Carolina to be involved in this. absolutely and I'm not just talking oh UNC to the Big Ten UVA to the Big Ten and oh we're screwed I'm talking you know. Both, both of those conferences want in That's those right. two states. They both want in there. They're going to compromise now, I think. I think they're going to discuss which ones do you really want. Here's what we think, and let's get together, and we'll offer in unison. We'll make offers to those schools, and that's when it's going to happen. I really believe that's what this whole thing really means. Advisory council, I don't think it means much about college athletics. I think the advisory council is we're going to sit around and advise one another. Uh, what do we want to do here? Right. Um, and you look at the, the streaming service that was announced oh, recently. Yeah. And where did that go, right? That, that's Fox, yeah. ESPN. And Warner, right? And Warner. And then there are some other networks, but I think what's who's left out of that is NBC yeah, and that's CBS. That's right. They're completely out of it. Because NBC and CBS don't have contracts with the SEC and that's the Big right. Ten. That's right. You know, and, and so, again, the question I got asked is, what does this streaming service mean? And I'm like, well, I don't know what it means. yeah. yeah. And what does it mean now with this ESPN college playoff deal? Because all of a sudden, Fox and Warner's going, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> so 
we don't get anybody to part. You know, I don't know. It, it, it's it's very simple. What's going on? Just follow where the big money's going to be in those two leagues. That you may not like it, ACC and Tech fan, but those two leagues run college sports. And and one one thing that that doesn't get talked about a whole lot, but fans talk about it, is pay per view. Um, that's where it's going. Maybe that's where that streaming service is going. Absolutely. Is, is there are certain games that if you want to watch them, you have to pay for that Agreed. game. Agreed. Agreed. So let's say you're, you got <clears throat> pay-per-view of Virginia Tech and uh, Ole Miss, now that Virginia Tech's in the SEC. Right. You know? Right. And <clears throat> games at Ole Miss, and you get, I don't know, 10,000? Let's say 20,000 oh. 20, Hokie fans to pay 10 bucks. There's no question they would do it. Yeah, so that, that, that's 200,000 just for that game. And you just start multiplying that out. I know. You know? I know. Fans yeah. have to watch it. And by the way, you don't pay per view a game for ten bucks. You pay per view a game. What do they charge for boxing? Oh, it's like it's gone up to like forty nine ninety five, right. something like that. Thirty nine ninety five. Yeah. So there's the the, the con- middle ground there. So the concept of adding pay per view into the existing you know uh, streaming and linear, linear yeah. setup is that that's a that's an untapped stream. You know, yeah, which is I think why they set up this this app, right? The streaming app. You can, makes sense. You can certainly see that happening, and so one of the things that I I keep saying is you you can argue academic standings and TV ratings and all that kind of stuff, but the the biggest thing Virginia Tech fans can do is keep buying tickets and keep going to the game because college football at, at when I tune into a game that I don't care about, like I'll I'll watch Ole Miss and Mississippi State, sure, because the, the crowd's big, oh, a big rival, Egg and, Bowl, and yeah. the stakes are high and it's exciting. And what I will not watch is a Mac game on Tuesday uh, where there's nobody in the stands. No, no, I'm it's with boring. You. Not interested in whatsoever. It's yeah. like watching a COVID game. There's nobody <laughs> there's there. Nobody watching. there. You know, and so I mean Virginia Tech <laughs> at its core is a good environment. You know, it's, it's, it's exciting to watch a football game at Virginia Tech. And I'm not talking about being there. I'm talking about watching it on TV. Even if you don't have any interest in the school, you're going, wow, that's Man, cool. Those, Look at that Those place. fans are going nuts. Look at They're that making place. some noise. Yeah. I love tuning in to watch this opening. Where I, I know. I know. Um, so I just, I just think that all, all, all of the complicated stuff aside, if I'm the SEC, I'm watching that environment at Virginia Tech. I'm like, I want that. Yep. I want that to be part of my conference. That Agreed. fits. Agreed 100%. So we're doing a uh, – Andy Bitter does a thing every year. He used to do it at the Roanoke Times and the Athletic, and he's brought it over to Tech Sideline where it is the Virginia Tech football fan survey. And one of the questions he's asking about Virginia Tech football is, what conference do you want the Hokies to be in? Big 10, SEC, Ooh, yeah. ACC, or Big 12? And I haven't seen the results lately, but yesterday after a few hundred entries, um, it was SEC – followed by ACC, followed by Big Ten. Virginia Tech fans aren't really – the SEC was something like 55%. I can see that. And yeah. ACC was 20 and maybe Big Ten was like 18. Numbers similar to that. It makes, most, it makes the most sense from a fan's perspective because you're not going to get excited about Northwestern, Wisconsin – I know there's Iowa, Iowa, Illinois on your schedule. They're already doing that with Rutgers. You're not that's, but boy, I tell you what, if you've got Arkansas and Tennessee and Auburn, Mississippi State, even you're going to go. Hey, now this is this is fun. This is what it's supposed to be like. Yeah, um, I agree. And from a, 
I can't speak from a university culture standpoint, but from a from a football culture Ooh. standpoint, Virginia Tech fits in the SEC. There's no question. You know, and that, that round of expansion where the SEC took Texas A&M and Missouri, Missouri, I call that Virginia Tech's spot yeah. in the SEC. Yeah, yeah. And, and you talk to people at Tech, and they will insist that the SEC did not approach Virginia Tech back then. I think that was, what, 2012 or so? Yeah, yeah. You know, and and – if you go back and look at things at that point in time, Virginia Tech was killing it in the ACC in football. The payouts in the major conferences, the ACC was up there because the, the Big Ten network was just starting to kick in. The ACC, the SEC network was fledgling. I'm not sure it had even been launched. So in terms of the paychecks that schools were collecting at that point in time, the ACC was very competitive. Yeah, yeah. So Tech had lusted after the ACC for five decades – Turns out they were very competitive in it, and the money was good. And uh, Burris Hall felt like Tech belonged in the ACC. Now, anybody who pays any attention knew what was coming with the networks launching for those other two. Like, oh, well, we, you know, if we've got a chance to go to the SEC, we probably should. And I don't know if Tech had a chance, but I, I do think that if Tech had lifted up their skirt, the SEC would have said, Come on in. We'll take you yeah, in Texas A&M, no and it'll be question. awesome. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, how quickly can we get there? I just I feel like the SEC may have even launched all that with an eye towards getting Virginia Tech. And at the, so at the end, right as the SEC was walking over to ask Virginia Tech to dance, Missouri said, Virginia Tech got up and went to the bathroom, yeah, and Missouri, the SEC me, me, looked me, me. at Missouri and said, oh, hey there. Girl with glasses. Well, and A and M for some reason was a big. They're the ones that really went to bat for Missouri. It was kind of like an unofficial partnership, from what I understand. Really? Too. Yeah, because the way they wanted A and M, they wanted to make them happy. Okay, yeah, we see that. Let's bring in Missouri. Why not? That's another market. Let's get them in. There. Uh, well, you you remember Tech? Uh, Tech had played Texas A and M in uh, 02 and 03. and I'm I'm. I'm sure that A&M would have been good with Tech coming in. Uh, there's no question. But anyway, that's no not question. the way it happened, and here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Well, all right, we're going to step out, take a break. We will get one more state point in the Stewart. We have another one when we come back. Great conversation, though. A lot going on, man. We don't know the answers. So, you know, we're just like you. That's why I say we're all just fans. We're just kind of sitting around the water cooler trying to figure it out. One thing about it, we're either going to be lied to along the way or omitted from it. Because I still have people that I know out in California that can't believe that UCLA and USC start in the Big Ten next year. They're still just in shell shock. Weird. We'll be back. Never gonna yeah. be the same. Cause I saddle up my horns. 
Underrated song. This song's good. And a great video. I want to elaborate, not to get into trouble, but check out the video later, folks. <laughs> uh, all right, wrapping it up with uh, Will Stewart here. Good discussion. Um, I know people want to know. We're trying to do the best we can, and um, there's a reason information is kept quiet. There's a reason we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. It's because there's always people working, and it's always working for that bigger pot of money somewhere along the way. And so the question we get asked is, will a grant, ACC's grant of rights hold up if, if challenged? Again, no clue. You know, I, I really don't know. Um, that, that's for the lawyers and the judges to decide. Right. Um, but, but really, <laughs> if you think about it, the ACC's GOR is all that's uh, holding it's this thing together, thing man. The <laughs> only thing left, and they know it, and I, I sense it's, that that's not going to hold up long It's term. the Alamo, my friend. Yes, it is. It <laughs> they're, is. They're all up there in the Alamo. It is. It is. Here come the Indians, you know. So they can announce future schedules. They can talk about how the future of the tournament's going to look, but uh, just don't worry about any of that. Let's Here's our just, future scheduling yeah, model. Absolutely. Sure. Sure, right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, folks, if you don't think it can be that quick and that dire, just ask people from the Pac-12. You want to talk about literal overnight destruction of one of the oldest, maybe it was, right? Yeah. The oldest of the Power Five conferences, 120 years worth. More, nas- more national championships than any other than conference? Than any other conference. UCLA alone has something like 120 national Stanford, championships, Stanford's right? number one. UCLA is number two. Wow. Yeah, Stanford's got like 130-some national titles. <laughs> UCLA's right behind them. Virginia Tech has zero, zero team national titles. And Bill Ross spent a year at UCLA, and he came back and he told me, he's like, 117 national yeah. championships. Yeah. It's like it's, it's, <laughs> they have trophies all over the place. So if it can happen to that league – as quickly as it did, don't don't think you're being told the truth about what else is going on. And the Big Ten stabbed the Pac-12 in the oh, back. Oh, there's no question. So no, no holds barred here, folks. Good to see you as always. Good to be seen as always. Check hoops tomorrow on the men's side. Tough one in Chapel Hill, and then of course the swan song for the ladies coming up soon in the castle. Right? What is that? About a week away? Yeah, they play at Louisville this Sunday, and I think they play UNC the following. There Sunday. you go. There you go. Jen and Mike Ashley in hour three.